Hello. The reopening of China has spurred a rebound in its economy and in markets. But how should investors position for whatever comes next? A question, if ever there were one, for Fidelity's global chief investment officer, Andrew McCaffrey. And Andrew is here. Welcome to you. Good afternoon, Richard. Good to see you. Now, remind us about this turn in sentiment towards China. What um, do you think investors in the market had missed previously? So I think just to recap on that, it was that um, you know, we came from uh, real concern that there was going to be a significant uh, challenge to growth for some time. Much of that coming from an ongoing element of ideology and the politics that flew um, with that, uh, you know, leading to challenges to getting the economy onto a balanced footing, let alone getting into a, a clear recovery and growth being generated. And that really changed as we saw, I think, you know, two major things. One, obviously the COVID policy changes and what that sparked in terms of opening up the economy and the reopening more broadly that we've had in the activity. Um, but also that very clearly some of the reactions that have followed, whether it be at the um, Bali meetings of the G20 uh, and how we saw that there was very clearly a, a, a you know, full engagement all the way through to the Davos events where we saw um, obviously some very proactive and um, very strong statements around being open for business and desire to uh, see the economy uh, grow. So I think the, the actions that followed on from the Congress back in October uh, you know, set the scene, funnily enough, for politics moving behind and uh, economic growth and policy initiatives uh, being focused on that moving to the forefront. And you know, now, as we uh, come into 2023 and the year underway, that we've seen you know, clear signs that um, stabilisation is taking place, that the expectations for growth have risen. But most probably now what we need to uh, also see followed through is from the National People's Congress in March that further signs that they are going to support growth. There's going to be policy initiatives that certainly uh, can build on that consumption that's expected as we see uh, reopening play out. And then also how much this will be focused on to China for China um, and its uh, you know, proximate friends, as opposed to maybe the more global impulses that we've seen um, previously. Staying on this um, theme of policy, because you've talked about the meetings in March, and at those meetings, they're going to be setting the economic targets, which uh, are always, um, you know, such important goalposts. It's debatable as to whether they move or not. But um, what what would you expect to be unveiled, or what would you hope to be unveiled at those meetings um, if we carry on thinking about this um, this top down policy impulse? Yes, yeah, so I think that it would be that they are framing that they're looking for uh, growth to comfortably exceed 5%. Now, do they use an explicit target or give a, um, uh, a range? I think that, uh, you know, interestingly enough, it would be how sentiment goes into that uh, period um, as to you know, how important it is to see a particular number or, or not. At the moment, I think the market expects that there should be you know, clarity around, as I said, comfortably exceeding 5%. If they were to uh, you know, mention anything that was close to 6 I think that I'd be slightly surprised. And also it would suggest that the degree of um, policy uh, engagement and therefore stimulus um, is maybe higher than we would have been expecting. 
So I think that isn't necessarily going to be uh, uh, you know, the, the route they take. But I think that in terms of the policy initiatives, what we really want to see are further signs that not only regulation not continue to be a headwind, but actually that it could become slightly a tailwind. So um, you know, taking back some of the concerns we've seen in certain sectors of the economy. Also, it would be very interesting if there's any conversation around tax and support, because when you think of the medium longer term, if it's now to really try and get the um, you know, Chinese consumer to be more active and for you know, consumption not just to be what saved up through the COVID period, but actually a more sustained um, profile and to get a little bit more impetus from that, then it would be that they start to see some of the structural changes being laid out around that. Okay, I want to come to the consumer in uh, the Chinese consumer in a moment. But if we stop speculating about what might happen in March and come back to what's happened now, so there's been a, a dramatic recovery in in the in the economy and then um, the market as as well. But that has actually tailed off a bit in the last couple of weeks as we've gone into um, into February. So what's going on there? What is it that um, you know has that rally run out of steam or um, is this just a pause? What do you think? So I'm in the camp that this is the uh, the, the pause that refreshes, um, that um, it allows people to uh, basically take stock, think about what is the profile looking forward. Uh, if I'm honest, I think it allows those who are fortunate enough to have been more active, um, you know, in October and November to book some profits, waiting to see what the MPC um, produces as well in March. Um, but I think also that we've had some data that shows that you know, stabilization has occurred. But as I said, that really sort of flow through into significant um, upside. There's lots of higher frequency data that shows clearly the economy, um, you know, becoming more active, that um, we're seeing a return to some of the patterns that we had, you know, prior to COVID, or at least improvements on the, the patterns that we've had, you know, through this last couple of years. But there's still, um, you know, more to be done. I mean, obviously, concern around how much the property market has both stabilized, but can it recover? Um, you know, do we see this being something again that is, um, you know, takes a while to uh, to get traction? I think all of those question marks basically are leading for people to be just a little bit cautious, having seen that run up. But my um, uh, view on that is that this is uh, you know, a period of consolidation, waiting to see you know, what that initiative, what they put as um, uh, targets on the table. But then also that we see the follow through on some of the underlying data um, uh, dynamism. And that really spurring two things for the year. One is that the economic um, outlook you know, is much better and that you know, China will see sustained growth as we go through the year and beyond, but also the way that that can feed through into earnings and that policy settings not being too disturbed, thinking of uh, inflation, by the fact that there's a significant output gap, that they haven't spent anywhere near the sort of fiscal support that we've seen in other countries. And so some of that stored up activity from just paying down of savings um, you know, really the challenge, as I said, is that that to provide a stimulus, but then it's how they can um, you know, keep up that staying part. And I think you'll see still elements of fixed asset investment that will stay very important and will be supported um, you know, within the Chinese economy. So these elements of um, that picture being on a better growth trajectory, you know, starting to play out as we go through the course of the next um, four to six weeks. And, and so, you know, I would look that if the markets can get um, nervous and uh, uncomfortable, then that will present opportunities. And you've talked there about uh, the savings. So this is um, consumers who have racked up an extraordinary amount of um, savings, uh, around 18 trillion renminbi 
um, over two and a half trillion um, dollars. That's um, an awful lot of cash to be stashed away that they're now beginning to spend. Mm. How significant or which sector is it that you think is is most important for this recovery in China? Is it consumers? Um, is it um, the property sector, which of course has been um, going through you know such a difficult time of late, but looks like it's um, it's recovering at the moment? Where where should we be looking for those signals that this is a sustainable return to uh, to growth? Yeah, so I, I think that um, back on, on having touched on property, that you've got to see that stabilising and obviously signs that the really just the free fall and the challenges that we had looking back, um, you know, nine, 12 months ago, uh, you know, have been left behind us. And there has been a lot of um, you know, policy support, um, structural in, engagement, and also transferring from um, weaker to uh, stronger hands through the course of uh, you know, recent weeks and months. So that is an important signal, but it doesn't mean that it's going to fuel the, the, the sort of recovery and the growth um, uh, in the way that we've seen previously. I do think that it's much more important that we see elements of you know the consumer and the ability to see that um, uh, you know steady, if not accelerated, uh, consumption. And this goes back to where. Again, from a policy point of view, that really not creating anything that um, uh, you know would undermine that. And fun enough that the the Chinese authorities tend to be very focused at times on thinking that some of the challenges are on the supply side and um, people being able to buy what they need to buy. And so you may see also aspects where they're trying to ensure that that is freed up, that it's clear that can be um, put in place. But as I said, for longer term. And not thinking just through uh, sort of a, a more tactical markets uh, view of how it responds, that it would be good to see elements of thinking about the tax structure. Um, you know, looking at how you know fixed asset investment can again support this sort of China for China um, approach, which I think will be part of what we see in the stimulus and the recovery style. And the other side of that coin, if we're not talking about China for China, but what what is China doing for the rest of the world? Um, what does it mean for for countries that that surround it and and around the globe? Because you've got um, increase in in demand. What does it mean for luxury goods manufacturers? What does it mean for inflation? If you've got demand for things like LNG um, uh, increasing as well? Yeah. So I think this is one of the things that you. Know, if we look at what has been the immediate reactions, it's very firmly that it's brought down global risk premium. And the reason it's done that is because you. You've seen China as being really you know, a very large part of the global economy that was feared to be a deduction from um, uh, you know, impetus and stimulus uh, uh, for the global economy, all of a sudden moving into being at the forefront of that. So I think that's had a, you know, an important impact across all global markets. I think the realities is if you see economic activity flow through that it will be felt much more by those that are in uh, you know, closer parts of the supply chain that can uh, you know, be key importers into China for certain um, uh, you know, elements such as resources, but also for um, parts of um, you know, services and the, the value chains that um, uh, you know, could well see clear recovery from uh, pickup in um, consumer activity in China. So I think that it will have a benefit flowing through to uh, you know, to ASEAN um, and to other parts of uh, Asia, even to Australia. But I think it'd be a bit more muted. Um, you know, we look to UK, look to the the US, and I'll come back to the complexities they may feel later on in the year that flows from this. You know, Europe has already seen it through the luxury channel that, and through being a large exporter, that um, there have been clearly signs of um, uh, many companies benefiting from China reopening and trying to price some of that. But there's more to go if we see, um, uh, obviously, a, a return to a more active China consumer and traveller uh, at times. But 
But to your point on inflation, I think it is an interesting question because the developed countries are in most probably a much more challenging um, policy environment um, with you know, economies that have shown signs that they're now off the worst of um, the inflation peaks. But how quickly are we moving um, in that more disinflationary uh, environment towards target? Um, and obviously a, a significant number of expectations were driven by slowing of the economy, disinflationary forces. Obviously, at the moment, we've seen until very recently hopes of a soft landing, even a no landing. Um, that, uh, and that, again, from the data has implied that um, you know, there's even signs that the economy being relatively firm, especially in the US. Um, and that resilience, does that mean that actually inflation stays a bit stickier? China demand, does that mean, as you said, LNG, oil, commodity sources, some of those goods numbers that had gone down and been very positive, do they all of a sudden become a little bit more uh, sticky again later on in the year? And then how do they navigate that? It's not going to help, is it? Well, I think it just makes it more complex. And so I think you've got to try and navigate on what the markets are looking for. They still are looking for that soft no landing profile um, and what they get challenged by, which is the inflation uh, you know, ends up being stickier, that, um, that you know, it becomes very data dependent. So um, deglobalization is something that we've been talking about a fair bit over recent months, but it's not happened entirely yet. The world is still connected in many ways. That's, I'm afraid, all we have time for this month, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks to you for listening. Um, if you'd like to find out more on any of the topics we've discussed today, you can head over to your local Fidelity website or fidelityinternational.com. And of course, you can listen to our regular Investor's Guide to China podcast on the Fidelity Answers channel. We'll put those details in the show notes. The producer today is Holly Eastman with production support from Callum Blitz. But from all of us at Fidelity, for now, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.